We have to go back! Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today, we just wanted to remind you that you've got a friend in me. With the 1995 animated classic, the Snow White for 3D computer animation, Toy Story. What an apt description. Thank you. I came up with it. When I read it online. We are reviewing this movie because the movie Christopher Robin is hitting theaters. And what better movie to review than a movie all about a boy and his toys. I mean, we could review a Winnie the Pooh movie, you may be saying to yourself. Sure. Um, But we picked this one. So Toy Story was the first feature-length computer animated film and the first feature film produced by Pixar. And prior to Toy Story, Pixar, which uh, then was a computer company, uh, produced short animated films to promote their computers and uh, was approached by Disney to produce a computer animated feature after the success of their short film, Tin Toy, which was made in 1988, uh, which is told from a toy's perspective. Now, at this point in time, it was unheard of for Disney to work with an outside studio to ever produce a film, with the exception of The Nightmare Before Christmas. So, Tim Burton, who used to work at Disney, uh, he wanted to buy the rights back to The Nightmare Before Christmas, and so Disney struck a deal allowing him to make the Disney movie outside of the studio, and because of this, there was precedent for Pixar to be able to do the same thing. So, basically... Disney and Pixar struck a deal to be able to work together, though while still their own independent studio. So, uh, Toy Story was released in theaters on November 22nd, 1995, and was the highest grossing film on its opening weekend with a budget of $30 million. They made over $373 million worldwide. That is a lot of Etch-A-Sketches. And this would become like one of Pixar's biggest uh, franchises. I mean, they've went on to make impossibly hard video games, oh, yeah. um, merchandise. And it it's about to make its fourth movie after being made in 1995. Like, this thing was a breakout hit, and it touched the hearts of millions. And it touched the laser disc player of laser disc owners so in addition to being released on vhs uh and eventually dvd and blu-ray a deluxe edition widescreen laser disc four disc box set was released on december 18th 1996 and that's the first time i ever heard Four-disc box set in reference to Laserdisc. Sounds real heavy. (laughs) VHS rentals totaled in $5.1 million and over 21.5 million VHS copies were sold in the first year. Like, that's crazy. And that ends my history segment. You got history, history together. That was our history, Randy Newman. Very good. Uh, Now, before we kind of go into um, some of our uh, memories about uh, 
Toy Story mm-hmm. growing up with it. I do want to give you guys just a handful of fun facts. So um, if you have watched this movie recently, you will notice some random guy who directed the first Avengers movie uh, was brought on on this movie as one of the writers. He wrote part of one of the rewrites for Toy Story, Sir Joss Whedon. Um, he originally had a plan for Barbie to be part of the movie oh. and with a very prominent role. Um, but Barbie declined the license to give uh, Barbie an actual proper uh, personality. Uh, the people at Mattel said they didn't want Barbie in any kind of animated film because they felt it was important for her to be neutral, allowing girls to imprint any personality they wanted, uh, to which they would say after you know Toy Story made millions of dollars, um, or we could... <laughs> Make millions. Yeah. Mattel's like, that's a lot of zeros. We can build our own dream houses. Yes. <laughs> now, speaking of licenses, uh, Ohio Art Company, the company that makes Etch-A-Sketch, was nearly bankrupt before Toy Story. Oh, wow. But after they allowed Etch-A-Sketch to be in the film, they saw a 20% increase in sales and saved the company. I like to think their accountants uh, use Etch-A-Sketches to keep track of the books. <laughs> And when the money came in, they just, oh, oh man. <laughs> Look at this, boss. Like, it's upside down. Oh, oh let me turn it. Oh, no. Oh, think... no. oh this may, maybe this is why we're bankrupt. <laughs> but that's great. So, Toy Story saved Extra Sketch. That's not all they saved. They also saved a ton of time, flawless segue. Um, and Toy Story's most productive week, Pixar completed. 3.5 minutes of animation. Wow. Week. Oh, wow. Productive a week. Week. A week. Well, th- what they were trying to do was so incredible. If you look at Tin Toy, like you mentioned, like uh. they, they've released all of these shorts together, uh, and they're typically the ones that play before uh, Pixar features now. But they also include in that volume some of the previous test shorts that led up to it. And the technical difference between something like Tin Toy, which won the Oscar for Best Animated Short, something compared to that and the tech specs for the full Toy Story movie are incredible. Like, the baby in Tin Toy, if you have ever seen it, absolutely terrifying. It looks more like baby yep. face in Sid's room than an actual baby. <laughs> uh, so the fact that they were able to do humans at all in this movie is kind of a miracle. And the the call to create a movie where most of the characters are already plastic or wood or just some kind of inanimate object is brilliant. They let their constraints generate ingenuity in order to overcome those obstacles when you look at what they were trying to do yeah of course it took that long they were basically doing something nobody else had done before uh and i mean all those zeros paid off or should i say ones and zeros because of computer animation (laughs) yeah that's a lot of money in their piggy bank oh my gosh we did it (laughs) we did it (laughs) 
So my fun facts uh, come more in the form of Easter eggs, things that I I didn't really notice before, but like noticed this time. I was like, hey, and a large part of it is like um, patterns that were established in this movie for the entire Pixar universe. Things like Dinoco, like Arlo from Good Dinosaur is the the in the logo of Dinoco, and then you have Pizza Planet, obviously, in in most uh, Incredibles excluded uh, Pixar mm-hmm. films. The fact that John Ratzenberger is has like a voice in every one of them, the Luxo Ball A one thirteen, like this has all of it, and a lot of it it was started here. So and then carried on. So it, it's really important in that sense. I think it's also was pointing out some of the fun facts about the Easter eggs in Sid's house. Um, two most notably, uh, one of them is the toolbox that he uses to put on top of Woody's crate, uh, that has to get kind of like shimmied off. You see the side of it. That is a Binford toolbox, which if that sounds familiar is because that was the same tool company in home improvement with Tim Allen. Uh, but I saw I that and was like, it was Binford. tool time. Binford. Uh, and then secondly is the carpet in Sid's house uh, on the upstairs where they're, they're running across. Same carpet from The Shining to add that uneasy feeling even subliminally. Uh, so those details just you could tell they are experts of tone. Uh, they are fans of film and those Easter eggs find their way back into the movie. All right. Now we're going to go into our next segment, which is something a little restructured uh, if you will, instead of doing our reactions, we're going to kind of give you um, our recall, I believe, uh, kind of the mm-hmm. things that we uh, remember from our childhood about this movie. So this movie came out in 1995, came out on VHS in 1996. I know this because I watched this movie on VHS and boy, did I get sent back to my uh the patio that had a little vcr where we watched this movie so many times <laughs> um so i love toy story uh i remember that burger king had a tie-in toy where it looked it was like the closest thing to like an actual woody toy that i had ever seen oh, like yeah. you could like he had little uh back pockets where you could like put your fingers in to like make him walk. Yeah. Um, and I thought I that the that same was toy. incredible. Was yeah. I was just like, I, like happy meal toys. Don't put half that like effort into like making toys. This awesome. Um, and I remember that we just, we played the toy story game. I had it on Sega Genesis, the toy story game. I still, to this day, don't know, personally, a living soul who has actually beat that game. Um, we got to the truck. We got... We, I didn't even get that. Yeah. We got to the end, but I don't think we were ever able to get back on the truck. I So, friend of the show, Jeffrey Brown, um, has one of the, my favorite stories that he tells, which is the time that he almost made it to the end. Uh, one time he was playing Toy Story on his Super Nintendo and uh, there was like a power surge uh, and it basically mm-hmm. made it so that like, you know, when you get hit by an enemy, your, your life flashes kind of and you kind of become um, like invincible basically. But yeah. it's just like, oh, he just got hit and then like 
you have like this little flashing recovery time. Well, that glitched and he was just invincible for several levels. He made it almost to the end where something happened and he like finally got to the end. Like he was just making his just speed running through these levels, not getting hurt at all. He's just like making it through until he got to like one of the later levels and it stopped. And he's like, Oh no, I don't know how to play this game after this. And that's, I think that's the farthest I think anyone has ever gotten in that game. But that game was so incredibly difficult, but so much fun to play. Very difficult. When I was watching this movie again and the pizza planet scene came in and they're like, oh, duck, duck, duck. I got flashbacks. I was like, that's exactly what you do in the game. And you can't get like caught and you have to hide in the little burger box in the the soda cup. And I was like, wow. Yeah, that's that's when I remembered it. I think I had blocked the game out of my memory because we spent we spent so much time doing it. It was like the first time that my brother and I had been like, we're going to beat this game. We came very close, but yeah. it was impossibly difficult, but a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Another thing I remember distinctly, and this like the VHS that I watched to uh, remind me of this, there was a thing back in the day called a CD-ROM, kids. And let me tell you, back in my day, uh, you used to have these interactive CD-ROMs just packed with, like, it was just a hub of a game. Like, imagine just... Instead of you just buying a game, you just have a portal to this entire nexus of all these different games that are in the same property. So you basically like played one game and then you just played all these different variations of like that same game, but it was different. And I remember I think I'm pretty sure we had definitely a Bugs Life CD-ROM that that took me back to um and some of the levels of the game were a part of that CD-ROM. But basically, the thing that they would market to you is that you could basically play some version of a, a interactive CD in uh, your home computer. And it was all the rage, and it was great, and I love it, and I miss it. It's a good time. Sometimes you just get them in the mail randomly for, like, a level. Oh, yeah. Reminiscing, I uh, saw this movie in theaters, I'm pretty sure, within the first week that it came out. Um, and I remember cause it was one of the few like night movies that I saw at that age. You know, I was like, it was dark out when I saw it. I remember that. I was like, it is dark outside and I'm going to a movie. Like <laughs> I, that was very exciting and it blew my mind. I had never seen anything like it. I mean, nobody had. And, uh, I think it really influenced me, uh, in my desire to animate and to really, um, see animation as a way of, uh, showcasing, uh, vocal acting talent and make, making it real. Cause I was, I don't know how, but I was aware of Tom Hanks and oh, Tim Allen. I, I think I knew from TV, but like I knew of the actors that, that were portraying these characters and it uh, just the blend of personality and art and all that. Like I, I remember just being very aware and appreciating in the moment how special this was. But yeah, I remember seeing this as a kid. I was seven years old, went to a, a little theater in Danville, California, up near San Francisco. And uh, I remember just being blown away by it. And then afterwards, we went to McDonald's and got chicken nuggets. And I did the same thing when I rewatched it for this podcast. I watched it when it was dark out, and I got chicken nuggets. 
All right, now I want to talk to you guys about this uh, point in time. You know, I had unique ideas about the movie. Doom, 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 doom. Untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. And I tried and I tried and I tried and I tried to think of something. And then I realized that some head cannon was happening to me. That's right. Head cannon is happening to me. Head cannon. With a spot on <laughs> Randy Newman impression. Oh, I'm sure there is really a Randy it. Newman tribute band somewhere out there. Um, find them and let us know so we can book them for our first ever live event if we ever have one. Oh, yeah. No, I'd love to go to a concert of the Dandy Newmans. <laughs> the Nandy Rumans. Well, Randy Newman, just a side, side note before we get to headcamp. I believe that Randy Newman could sing narrate almost any movie yes. any movie and people would be like yep i get that yep. we got pirates in the caribbean <laughs> they're just sailing all seven all seven of those seas I'm like yeah no i get this captain jack sparrow and randy newman okay ah <sighs> he's got a certain set of skills <laughs> liam neeson in taken <laughs> all right back to head cannon so uh, I'm sure you're already familiar with the very popular Pixar theory that um, kind of goes in and out of every Pixar movie, kind of tying them together uh, and somewhat of a darker timeline. Um, my headcanon has nothing to do with that, but I just want to acknowledge its existence. Uh, you can watch several videos online. But my biggest piece of headcanon actually has to do with the timeline of this movie now i know that this movie came out in 1995 um mm -hmm. but my headcanon is that it actually took place um in the 80s oh. um and it's it's not that big of a time difference but it i i'd say largely due to what technology is um you know, action figures were biggest in the 80s, 80s and 90s, basically. Uh, and for them to create um, such a large, highly involved uh, toy uh, like Buzz Lightyear, um, it would, I would think that this is was made in line with the MTV era with astronauts, this, that, the other. Um, that's my biggest piece of headcanon. There's not a ton of evidence other than just the, like, he wasn't working on a computer. Um, mm -hmm. like, there weren't a ton of, like, super 90s, mid-90s technological things that were happening, which would largely be, like, cell phones and, uh, you know, mostly cell phones and, uh, other technology. Yeah. But well, yeah, And also Sid had a combat Carl's, which is basically G.I. Joe, which would line up yes. with the timeline there. Yeah. Now... Uh, I have another piece of headcanon about Sid. Uh, Sid is a troubled soul. And in Toy Story 3, it is revealed that he, you know, grows up and eventually becomes a, a garbage man. Yeah, Both instances voiced by Eric Von Detten from Brink. No way! Yeah. Well, well my headcanon around Sid is that Sid is just as imaginative as Andy. And this is actually something I can't take credit for. My wife pointed this out to me. He's just as imaginative as Andy. He just expresses it differently. But if you take a look at Sid's name, 
Sid's name backwards is Disney. He's the anti-Disney. I don't think he's the anti-Disney. I think, he I is think this Disney. is an origin story to <laughs> Walt Disney. Let's go straight to the top. Wow. Uh, I think it's appropriate that Sid was in your headcanon, since headcanon could be one of the toys that Sid would create. Oh my goodness. Yes. Headcanon. On that note, I just, Babyface, super creepy, but was nope. my favorite piece of merchandise from the Toy Story line. I had a little Babyface action figure. You pull it back and it would just kind of like move its legs and scuttle around the floor. Oh no. Hours. Oh, no. Hours. I thought it was amazing. So great. Anyway, um, I'll start with, with this one. Uh, this is more just like a fun way to kind of view it, is if you apply the same story of uh, Winter Soldier and Civil War to uh, Buzz and Woody, where uh, I guess I would make Woody Steve and Buzz would be Bucky because he loses an arm and forgets who he is all the time. But if you want to go into Civil War, then Buzz is more of like a, a, a Tony Stark, especially for Toy Story 2, where they kind of have the separate factions and are influenced differently, and then they have to come back together. Um, so that's fun. And, you know, the whoa, star. Whoa, Woody's got whoa. the star, like the shield. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Grayson, mm-hmm. are you telling me that the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe is the imagination of a 10-year-old boy. Is that what you're telling me? Because if yeah. so, I love it, and I agree. Dark headcanon for Toy Story is that they're not actually toys. This is just the way that patients in an insane asylum are processing their different neuroses. Uh, Andy is the orderly or the leader of this, this ward. Um, Buzz has delusions of grandeur. Woody has violent rage tendencies and inferiority uh, mr potato had multiple personalities and they all kind of manifest in this in this way um i think you could apply a uh, rex obviously is unstable you could apply all kinds of different um personality disorders and uh, to to these toys yeah that was kind of the interpretation of like they are processing their recovery and healing through this like toy therapy. There's just one live scene like at the end where you see them in the, Oh man, if you saw the human versions of all of them in an insane asylum and then just like little, little perfectly combed hair. Andy is sitting there being like, well, I think that was a really good session for today. It'd be real dark and sad. Strange Nobody would have watched it. Things are happening to me. <laughs> My final piece of headcanon, and probably my favorite, is that Tim Allen's characters from Toy Story and Galaxy Quest have been Freaky Friday'd. So here you have Buzz, who is supposed to be a space hero and command a ship to fight off alien invasions, uh, and that's what he needed to be in Galaxy Quest. Uh, But in Galaxy Quest... He chooses to be somebody that uh, play acts for a living and pretends to be in different scenarios, much like what the toy needed to do. So the two of them have uh, swapped the personalities for one another uh, that they should have had. Wow. Clearly I will do headcanon no more. Well done. Well done. 
All right, now we're going to go to the part of the show where we like to talk about recast and remakes. Recast the remake, you got to mix them up. Got different faces, different scenarios. That's the great thing about Randy Newman. He doesn't have to rhyme and it's still a song. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So if this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? I would like to wager it if the whole franchise were to be rebooted. Uh, mm-hmm. What would you also like the storyline to be? I'd like to start off with mentioning a probably uh, maybe forgotten uh, tie-in animated series that was Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, which was a 2D animated series uh, envisioned to basically be the cartoon that the Buzz Lightyear action figure was based off of uh it was Mm. shortly lived on one saturday morning uh, on abc and basically the intro was 3d pixar buzz lightyear like running to the tv to watch the 2d cartoon of his show so that's kind of like Mm -hmm. the canon of it i would love for them to reboot the franchise um, or extend the franchise as a 2D animated series, but following the franchise that all of the other Toy Story characters are based off of. In Toy Story 2, they reveal that uh, Woody is actually a part of the series called Woody's Roundup Gang. Uh, where That's where Jesse, Bullseye, and Pickaxe do. Sneaky Pete? Uh, Sneaky Pete. Uh, oh, stink, Stinky, Stinky Pete. Sneaky Pete is uh, that's right, Stinky. Giovanni Rubici. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Where Stinky Pete comes from. And I would love to see those uh, that envisioned as a classic animated series because I think it's kind of uh, likened to the olden day of mm. Western time, basically. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see a Mr. Potato Head animated series. Uh, I'd love to see a Rex animated series. All these different... Uh, characters to kind of take on their own franchise and extended in a uh, serialized format because I thought that uh, Buzz Lightyear of Star Command was actually really good and fun and made sense. Like it's, I think it's the perfect way to make spinoff material off of a movie about toys. That's just perfect. Um, So that's how I'd like to see it extend out. Um, as far as casting goes, Patrick Warburton uh, as Buzz, uh, I, I, it's hard to think of anyone other than that. Um, but I would love Keegan-Michael Key as Woody. Uh, mm-hmm. I just think that that would be fantastic. And uh, Steve Harvey as Mr. Potato Head for obvious reasons. Uh, and Andy, uh, Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> Andy is Jeff Goldblum? Yeah, Andy is Jeff Goldblum. Ah, well, you do not stand a chance against my... Uh, my guard dog who is made of force fields uh uh oh well you see nature finds a way uh i have a uh uh, a t-rex that uh eats force fields dogs and uh uh, there there you go andy your food's getting cold (laughs) for the cast it's so hard for me to separate the voices from the characters because i believe the the sound of the characters is just as important as the look of them. But if they were to recast, uh, and I'm purely going on vocal performance, um, I would love to to see Bradley Cooper as Woody. I think Ooh. he's he's done so much with Rocket. I think he, he could command that authority, but also play the humor that uh, Tom Hanks was able to achieve. Uh, for Buzz, I, I love your casting, uh, but I think for Buzz, uh, John Hamm, I think, could Ooh, actually oh, do yeah. a, 
a great job. And then for Ham, Seth Rogen, because uh, he's he, he's just got that kind of voice. For Bo Peep, Julie Bowen, I think she could play the the sweetness of it. Uh, Mr. Potato Head, I don't know. I haven't heard from this guy in a while, but for his voice alone, for Mr. Potato Head, Louis Black. Yes. Just yelling at everybody. That insult comedy style. I mean, that's why Don Rickles was cast, because he was able to pull off that kind of dialogue. And I think Louis Black could do the same thing. Uh, Oh, Louis Black is already in the Pixar-verse. Yeah, he's, uh, he's anger. There. That must be why I thought that. Um, finally, I have for Rex, Josh Gad. Oh, yeah. And a uh, fun fact, uh, speaking of voice casting, uh, because Tom Hanks is who he is, very busy man, uh, his brother, Jim Hanks, does a dead-on Tom Hanks impression and does the voice of Woody in all of the video game um related material because he just and the toys so anytime you get a toy and it sounds like tom hanks it's actually jim hanks doing a tom hanks impression (laughs) i believe jim hanks also filled in as a runner in forrest gump whenever he has the long hair and he's running across the country certainly has a type he certainly has a brother All right, now we're going to go into our final segment where we give you reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend the 1995 movie Toy Story? I recommend Toy Story. It's such an important movie for animation, technically. Uh, So much was built off of it. But I think at a more human level, uh, this movie is able to find a way to put deep emotion in seemingly inanimate objects. And it... There are points where even though clearly it is an animated film, you forget that you're watching an animated film because the themes hit so hard. Uh, And just exploring uh, jealousy and anger and fear and all of these things that come into conflict uh, at the thought of being replaced and uh, having your purpose be obsolete, that is something everybody deals with. And this is a... uh, Uh, a really powerful right out of the gate move for Pixar to say, Hey, we have films that uh, don't hold back emotionally. They have a very clear direction. They have a concept that kids can buy into, but continue watching these films 20 years plus later because they have emotional resonance and they will grow these films. That's the big thing. I recommend these because these films grow with the audience. The films don't change. The audience changes, but they're built in a way and crafted. I would say in a way to, uh, allow you to mature with them. And, uh, I am watching toy story. Now it is very different than when I watched it back then. When I watched it back then, uh, I was like, oh, this is so cool, and like the animation's great, and this seems like nothing I've ever seen before. I watch it now, and those emotional themes of like, yeah, I, I know what it's like to feel like you're being replaced, or to feel like uh, you're kind of at a loss because your world is changing. This movie hits all of that, and it does it through the eyes of a toy. It's just so beautiful. If somehow you haven't seen Toy Story, it needs to be the next movie that you watch. 
Um, so I highly recommend Toy Story. Absolutely. I co-signed that very deeply. When I rewatched this movie for the podcast, I was not prepared emotionally uh, to go on this journey. I remember, so I, I've, I love all the music, but when I started singing along to You've Got a Friend in Me while it's playing, I started crying. Like I started like tearing up. I'm like, what is happening? And like the, the nostalgia of childhood. Like I, I was telling my wife how like when Andy just became obsessed with Buzz Lightyear, uh, I was like, I remember being that kid. Like I remember like for me, that was the mask. When I saw the mask, I was like, oh, this is me now. Uh, I did. I made my own little like cardboard, like little paper mask. Like I would make my own little toys, and I would like imagine these storylines and like story arcs and all these other things. Like I would mix and match my toys and just all these other things, and I just got taken back to being a kid. And then also in addition to that, uh, have this intense. Uh, kind of relatability to these toys who are just trying to find their place in the world and figure out like where they belong and like where they fit in. And I was just, like I said, I wasn't ready for it because this movie is so simple, but so complex that it is timeless. Rewatching this movie really showed me uh, a really cool thing that I didn't pick up when I was a kid. And that's how, um, how like no matter how much change happens in your life, that doesn't mean that like you become insignificant, basically. Um, and Woody learns this lesson more so than anyone else. But like, I think that, uh, especially now with you know being a millennial, um, we I think we put a lot of our identity in our accomplishments or like what other people think of us, but really we're more than that. Um, And I think that that's just a really cool message to take from like a movie that was made by computers in 1995. Uh, So all I have to say is that I'd recommend this movie. um, If you are emotionally prepared to watch this movie uh, and also because it is so much fun to rewatch and relive this because especially if you did watch a movie when you're a kid you are just going to have the most fun rewatching toy story if they start toy story 4 with randy newman singing you had a friend in me <sighs> grace uh, don't I'm <laughs> do this uh all right and that is our review of toy story let us know what you remember about toy story on twitter we are at flashback flicks we love nostalgia-ing over there with you and remembering all the little uh, ins and outs of Toy Story with you right over there. And it would go to infinity and beyond if you guys could leave us a review of the podcast uh, on a scale of one to five illegal rockets. How would you rate this movie? (laughs) On a scale of one to five Barrel of monkeys Ooh. because one monkey is useless. Yeah, not enough. Doesn't connect to anything. It's a whole but barrel. Five monkeys from the barrel. Man, you got a chain going, and that's a good thing. <laughs> and be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast.
So, Ricky, it looks like The Meg is coming out next week. Um, the bad news is we've already done every Meg Ryan movie. So, how about Deep Blue Sea? Yes. Yes, please. Yes. 